All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. If you're a new listener to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 32nd year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And finally, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to Wise at davidsoncap.com. As we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 647 points, or 2%. The S&P 500 last week was up about 109 points, or 2.7%. And the NASDAQ last week was up about 420 points, or 3.1%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 10.4%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 9.9%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 7.9%. And the S&P 500 closed on Friday at a record high. Mm-hmm. And we, we failed to mention last week that the S&P had closed for the first time above 4,000 uh, in the week just in, in uh, two weeks ago. I think it was last, uh, not this last Friday, but the Friday before. So that's a, that's a big milestone for the S&P. Uh, the, NAS, the NASDAQ still got uh, probably, what, a couple hundred points, 300 points to go before it's at all-time highs. But the NASDAQ's been making up some ground. You know, it had been out of favor, uh, especially big cap tech had been out of favor uh, really for the first two, three months of this year. Uh, and it's had a you know pretty big you know comeback. You just here in the first two trading weeks, the Nasdaq is up almost five percent, which is leading, which is double the that the double the Dow and a full percent ahead of the S and P five hundred. And there's you know just this past week, just been reading some articles uh, from a bunch of industry rags, and there's some grumbling about it's time to start picking up the old uh, the old school fang names, the Apples, the Amazons, the Googles, the Netflix, the Facebooks of the world, and because they've just been so underloved like you said, Jeff, in the last two to three months that uh, these valuations have come down, so it's a good time to add some to your portfolio. Well, I mean, the NASDAQ also, what, have this tre- what has the Treasury done and what have rates done? Rates have seemed to stabilize over come, the last yeah. week. Yeah. So. They've stabilized and they've, and they've come down. I mean, the 10-year Treasury closed on Friday at 1.664%, and so we have seen rates uh, come down over the last couple of weeks. So like you said, Joe, things have started to – cool off a little bit because you know we we saw the rates 
starting to go up from the beginning of the year because of the hand-wringing over the potential inflation that's coming from the stimulus packages that have come out from Washington. But as the Federal Reserve has come out and been very clear about their trajectory of, of, in, of, of interest rate increases, meaning we, they're already projecting we might not see a single interest rate increase from the Fed from the end of 2022 or into 2023. Now, Jeff, I know what you're getting ready to say, that investors is who controls interest rates, and that's true. Well, I'm also going to take – As far as from a Fed uh, standpoint, the Fed is very dovish and will continue to be dovish for the foreseeable future. I, I'm just going to take uh, – a. a you said potential inflation. The, ladies and gentlemen, there is going to be inflation this year. There is no doubt about it. You, you, if you want to bet the house on something this year, that is higher inflation. And we had, we had one inflation number here in the week just passed, which came out, I believe it was on Friday, which is the producer price index, went up more in a month than it had, I think, in more than nine years. I have to find that statistic. But it is also expected. Yes, all right. There it is. Cost so. of goods climbed 1.7% in the month of March, the most since December of 2009. Now, how much of that is due to material shortages, labor shortages because of COVID closures, all that? I, I will grant you that, Joe. How much, is that, how much of that number is uh, skewed a little bit just because of the environment that we're in, but kind of flipping back to performance, you know, we talked about how much the how much better the Nasdaq has done quarter to date than the Dow or the S and P, which is the the exact opposite of what's really what had happened the first three months of this year. But what's the other thing that we've been talking about? How this year its value has been doing better than growth when it comes to stocks, whether it's small cap, mid capitalization or large cap stocks, which is different, which is the exact opposite of what, what happened in, in the year 2020. Well, quarter to date, would it be any surprise that growth is now doing much better than value across large cap, mid cap and small cap. So you have this, this money, flowing sloshing around it's just yeah you know, it's it's, it's sloshing around. and for us as managers of money it's it's been a little bit challenging this year trying to trying to determine exactly how to have the portfolio allocated because the money can just seems to be changing uh monthly weekly over you know whether we're going to buy value this week whether we're going to go growth whether we're going to be in law you know large cap tech or we're not going to be in large cap tech. But this so, is why this but, is why asset allocation is absolutely key and why we've been talking about really from the beginning of the year the creation of the other end of our barbell in the stock side of the portfolio of bringing in the, the, the value names, bringing in the dividend plays, the bond surrogates to build the value dividend side of our equity portfolio while still maintaining a good size allocation to the momentum in large cap and mid and small cap growth names as well. So it's creating that balance. I mean, longtime listeners of this program, we talk about our balance philosophy. Well, that's a balance philosophy between stocks, bonds, and cash. But then you also have to look, what does your balance look like within each one of those asset classes, primarily stocks and bonds, and how you're balancing it. And that's really what we're discussing at this point in time. And Jeff, like you were saying, the money sloshing back and forth the first quarter of this year, it was value. It was value all day, all night. And those were the, the, the leading asset classes 
in the portfolio or in the market in general. And now we're starting to see the growth side of the equation in stocks starting to catch the buying. Yes, but there's still a there's still a large gap though between growth and value across all three of those small, mid, and large capitalization stocks. How much of that gap gets made up? Maybe the coming earnings season uh, will start to make up some of that gap. We'll see. Okay, well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, last segment before the first commercial break, we were discussing how so far this quarter we have seen the growth uh, sector, the growth asset class on the stock side starting to catch some buying from investors and is now outperforming just for the quarter so far year, you know, so far quarter to date, the value side of the stock equation, which of course value had been and still is the, the leading asset class, whether it's large cap, mid cap, small cap, value has been outperforming growth, but we're starting to finally see growth play some catch up. And as I'd said in the last segment, I've been reading some articles, particularly this last week, where a lot of the big mega cap tech names that have not been seeing a lot of love this year, a lot more analysts on the street are saying, well, if they're not in your portfolio or you're under allocated in them, maybe it's time to start taking a look because their valuations have come down. And Jeff, you made a very important point as we're coming in to the first quarter earnings season, this could be an opportunity for some of these big momentum and big large cap, mega cap growth names to be catching some more buying if they really blow out their numbers. But, you know, using Apple as the poster child of a company that blew out their earnings last quarter and still was not getting any love from investors around the world as far as from a performance standpoint from a stock side. And, and so is that the market saying they believe that that particular stock is fully valued? Is it saying that there may be in the next earnings announcement, there might be something said that, that might be uh, analyzed by uh, investors as saying that maybe their prospects for the future and future growth is not as, is not as high as it might've, might've been in 2020. You know, I wonder if some of these tech stocks will come out, potentially come out and say, okay, another good earnings season, but don't expect the growth rate we had in 2020 to continue into 2021. We'll see. We'll see if something like, but, but there's still, there, you know, we're still opening up from COVID and we still have the United States, the United States, in my opinion, just hearing about what's going on in other countries in terms of major economic powers, it seems to me that the United States is more open than most other major economic powers in the world. And there's, and the world is catching up to us. Now, is that because we've had 
more vaccinations here and the vaccines haven't reached over there yet. And so there's more demand to come once the world, you know, the world opens up. That was one of the reasons why we made our emerging markets investment earlier this year. And so far it hasn't, it hasn't panned out whether that has to do with interest rates going higher or for other reasons, just that so far that, that, that investment hasn't, hasn't worked out. And I heard Joe had a, a great analogy about you know portfolio construction and well, Joe, would you share that with your listeners? Because I think it's really good. Well, Kyle and I were talking uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about all the different portfolio moves we've made in the first quarter, and, and actually a few. I think no, actually in, in the first quarter. Well, it sounds like 2020 when the very first part of the year, the first quarter, we made a lot of portfolio moves, and guess what? We didn't make a whole lot of moves after that till towards the end of the year. Well, sometimes it's kind of like a brisket. You know, if you ever cooked a brisket before, you have to prepare it. You have to put your rub on it. You have to let it sit overnight in your fridge. Let let that rub get in there really, really good. And guess what? You don't cook that brisket in two to three hours, do you? You cook that brisket, if you're doing it right, over a 10 to 12 to 15 uh, hour period. And at the end, the product is exactly what you want usually as opposed to cooking it really quick. And we were just goofing around, but putting a portfolio together, sometimes maybe the moves that you could make are the moves that you should have made and you just let it sit. Sometimes by not doing anything, you actually are making a decision in the portfolio. And I'm relatively comfortable with where we are. That's my point being. And, hey, let's, let's let this – let's let our portfolio do the work. We've set the table. We've prepped it. I think it's. Uh, I think we're in good shape to the end of the year. But well, I think what you're take. saying is you, is you have to allow it to cook. I mean, I use this analogy planting a seed, and like you said, we've been doing from the very beginning of the year. I mean, from the very first day of the new year, we were automatically in the portfolio, taking profits across the board, and making some adjustments and reallocations, and then starting to build our dividend our dividend sleeve or the value sleeve of our portfolio that we built over the course of several months in the first quarter. And like you said, we've got the right rub on the meat. We've, we've let it sit in the fridge overnight <laughs> and now, and now we have it on the grill and we're allow, we're allowing it to cook. We feel from an allocation standpoint between stocks, bonds, and cash right now, we're comfortable with where we are. We know that all the work and analysis that has gone into the stocks and the securities that we have put into the portfolio. And then there are times where, like you said, Joe, no decision is a decision. And I want every, every listener to realize that not making a decision in your portfolio is a decision. That was one thing that dad taught us from the very beginning of portfolio management 101, when Jeff first started, I don't want to age you, Jeff, but 30 years ago, and so, and you know, and when, and when I started at Davidson Capital 16 years ago, uh, but been in the industry 23 years, I mean, that was the first thing that, that he taught us is that no decision is a decision. And that's important for all investors to understand, but you have to make sure that you have the right rub. And going back to, to your point that we repeat constantly on the, on the show, and it comes from you, Joe, is knowing what you own and making sure you have the right rub on your, so to, your brisket, which is your portfolio. And are you willing, able, and emotionally set to allow it to marinate and to cook those 12 to 15 hours? And and building a portfolio, we're building the portfolio for the long term. And we're not sitting there and day trading. We're not getting it out of GameStop. We're not looking for something fancy and the, the latest investment like NFTs. You know, there's a process that we've used for 30 years. It's worked pretty good, kind of like a good brisket. 
You know, if you do it right over a long period of time, why would you change the recipe? And that's, I'm making it pretty simple, but I'm actually getting hungry just talking about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and right, and right all the, now, all the listeners are starting to like, man, I need to stop by Bill Miller's or something. Y'all talk about letting me eat. Now I'm eating. So it, anyway, right now we have 63 herbs and spices on that, <laughs> on that brisket, which is a, a fairly complex uh, a set of spices and herbs. Wouldn't you say, Joe, since you're the expert? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot, but you know. but sometimes yeah. that's what it takes to build uh, a a diversified portfolio, and and so we've got we've got a, a lot of different industries that we're involved in. That's just the stocks. I didn't even count the individual bonds that are that are in the the larger portfolios. Uh, so, but the I bottom think, line is, but but, yeah. but like but, but but like any good portfolio, like a great brisket. There's a lot of work that's involved. You, you can't. The, the, the and even while it's cooking, it, you gotta you gotta do something right. with it, right? You gotta that's watch right. the smoke, and you gotta feed that's the fire. Right. And that's right. That's right. You have to you right have mix to... a hickory and pecan. Uh-huh. Or not too much mesquite. You know. So, so basically, you, you know, you have to have vigilance. That is what knowing what you own in your portfolio is the same thing as cooking a brisket, and you have to constantly do the checks and balances and review and analyze to make sure that all the, the ingredients that you have in your portfolio are working together. But there are periods of time where you have to let things rest and you have to let those seeds kind of take root in your portfolio. And right now we're really at that position. We have one more stock to add to the larger portfolios, the larger asset portfolios that we manage. But from an allocation standpoint, we're hovering right around that 65% stock, 35% fixed income and cash allocation for our moderate um, asset allocation models. And we feel comfortable at this point in time with this allocation. So what are the risks to our brisket? What are the risks to the brisket? That, that's a good question. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you for, for more of the momentum names, particularly in the tech area, is seeing interest rates doing a bad uh, an about face of what we've seen the last two weeks and then starting to go back higher yeah uh, i i think there, there's that two would be the first one the, the biggest risk to the portfolios is is sharply higher interest rates and we've been talking about that over you know for an extended period of time and you know i i can't say it enough it you for our listeners that maybe don't quite understand what's in their portfolio or don't understand the, say the holdings behind the mutual funds you own, uh, know what you own. And if you own something uh, that is highly invested in long maturity, fixed income bond securities, uh, that is a real threat to not cooking a real good brisket in 2021. No, that's right. Well, and I would say another, and, and a sharp higher interest rates are a risk to the just stock market period, and it's not just the growth names. It can be a risk to all the names, depending upon how fate, how fast rates would move up. But you know, again, we were talking about inflation in the in the last segment. You know, something we hear from clients from time to time, and there's definitely the 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 cottage industry of fear mongering of talking about hyperinflation which yeah, we've heard well, going all the way back to the yeah. financial crisis which never panned out and we do not feel that there's any type of an ingredient out there to create hyperinflation in any way shape or form but before we continue the conversation let's take our next commercial break you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management money wise guys will be back after the break 
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. And finally, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, you missed our whole cooking section uh, where we <laughs> talked about brisket. Yep. <laughs> in the last segment. Um, but 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 no, it's it's you know the one thing that, that we always strive for here at Davidson Capital is providing investor education. You know, our father started this business over 30 years ago to pull the curtain back on Wall Street. You know, he, he learned very early in his career in the early 70s when he was a broker for a very short period of time that when he sat in a room of these brokers, he realized very quickly in his career there wasn't one of them that he would have trusted with Jeff and I's grandmother's money. And he, he realized that there was such a lack of education. There was all the sales aspects, the high commissions. And he realized very quickly in his financial service career that he wanted to be on the investment management side. And that's where his career took him in the mid-70s. And here we are today. And so education is the foundation to every relationship that we have with, with clients at Davidson Capital. And it's very important. And so we try to take very complex portfolio management strategies and try to break it down into kind of an, an easy to relate story. Because I know for our longtime listeners of the Money Wise program, there are times over the last 15 years we've been doing the show that we can get very much in the weeds. And some of the technical things we're talking about, about Wall Street and concepts can go over some investors' heads. And so we like to, we, we, we do our dead level best to come up with more relatable stories, uh, you know, like for instance, you know, meeting with a client very briefly this past week and, a, and, a, and not only this client, but a new client in the San Antonio area from, from a few months back, you know, talking about bonds and how bonds work, you know, and I, I relay it to, r- relate it to, you know, used cars and Kelly's blue book and how bonds are priced and how it works. I'm not going to go into the whole story and bore all of our listeners to death, but because bonds are exciting. Yeah, well, yeah, they're very like exciting. used cars. Yeah, like used cars. Very <laughs> exciting. But but again, it's 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 a story. It's a story that's easy that's easier to understand because we want to provide the level of education to our clients or our prospective clients that we can possibly provide because we want to create that transparency and pull the curtain back. You know, we were just discussing, you know, we've been doing the radio show for so long. And Jeff and I and Joe, we all know that when we travel across the state and see clients that we have all over the state, that we hear other financial radio talk shows. But it turns out the majority of these financial talk shows are just giant infomercials for a bunch of high-commissioned insurance products. And we started wondering, you know, I sure hope that the Money Wise program doesn't get lumped in with these insurance salespeople and people that are doing what we're, what we feel are selling very unscrupulous products that pay them an exorbitant amount of money and do very little, if anything, for the clients that are getting suckered into buying these things. And they're finding out this information through these financial talk shows. You know, I don't know of any other financial talk show in this state that has 
three actual portfolio managers that are fiduciaries, meaning we are required by law to put our client's interest in front of our own, that's not selling something. You know, where we're actually talking about what we do in our portfolios for our clients on a week-to-week basis, pull the curtain back on how we go through our decision-making process and what our forward guidance and what our thoughts are concerning the market and the economy and just being open and honest about it, not trying to sell some high commission product like an annuity, which is the worst thing on planet earth that anyone could possibly buy. And if you're being told something different, it's because you're being told by someone who's trying to sell it to you. You know, talk to someone who's been in this industry and has had a business for more than 32 years, not to mention a firm that has stock performance that outperforms the S&P going back more than 30 years. Find that somewhere else in this country from another firm. And I will tout that from the top of a mountaintop because it's something to be proud of. And I don't care, you know, we might not have trillions under management or be on CNBC every single day or, or, or at all. But I can tell you one thing that you will be guaranteed is some transparency, some honesty, and some education. And you might not like everything we have to say, but we're going to tell you the God's honest truth. That you can be assured of. And I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry. Should we have the, the star Connor, drop the playing mic in the back? No, I, that, that was very good. Thank you, Kyle. Sorry. Um, I just, but no, but, uh, but ed- education is, is the foundation of our business and we had when we got the opportunity to start doing this radio show going on 16 years uh, it's that's what we that's what we do for hour two hours every saturday for the last 16 years almost that is is delivering some education and we're going to keep doing that as long as uh iheart radio gives us the opportunity to to talk to you, talk to everyone on a on a on a Saturday evening there in San Antonio, and on a Saturday afternoon here in Corpus Christi. Uh, but, along, but, but Jeff, but but Jeff, let me just add to that okay. because the other reason why we use this platform to provide the education, because still to this day, every single week when we're doing portfolio reviews, what are all three of us finding? Every single week, we find these equity indexed annuities, we find annuities, we find the wrong investment options, we find proprietary mutual funds from from a brokerage firm where they're doubling up on their fees, putting them in mediocre to below average mutual funds, where performance is horrible. And we hear hear bad stories about bad actors doing bad things. And all we can do is try to uh, help folks understand that uh, where to look to dig deeper, and if you're not digging deeper, it's 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 time to start digging deeper. Yeah, I think and, and what what tends to happen when times are good, and times I'm talking about the stock market. You know, March notwithstanding, March of 2020 not notwithstanding, we've had 2019, 2020, 2021 so far pretty good and and folks unfortunately get a get a sense of complacency when they're getting monthly statements showing their their investments going up in value they just okay everything's fine i'll just move on uh, but if you've ever you know had a, had that funny feeling or that something was said or that just gut intuition that maybe something might not be uh be right 
How, then how about not start start out? asking questions. And here's the thing: when you start asking questions and you're not getting straight answers, that's that's an indication that you should be concerned. You are and, my brother because that was the exact thing I was going to say. And so, you know, I've heard I heard another a story from a prospective client in the last week that went with a, a referral from a close friend to a broker. And uh, this broker ended up placing his money in some highly inappropriate investments that uh, lost value, substantial amount of value in a short period of time. And uh, the broker started behaving in a odd fashion and the, the customer started to have some, some, uneasy feelings about it and confronted the the salesperson and the salesperson talked around in circles and finally it all ended up in a FINRA arbitration and the broker lost their job their license and fortunately for the customer they got all their money back uh, <laughs> but how often does but that that, happen, that doesn't that doesn't always that doesn't always happen and especially especially with blessed. especially with an annuity type investment uh, FINRA isn't behind those. Yeah, there is, you can't file a FINRA arbitration claim against an insurance salesman because the insurance salespeople are not regulated by FINRA. They're regulated by the state insurance board. Yes, and Kyle. because and because equity indexed annuities, which are primarily sold and a lot of them through financial talk shows, not ours, of course, they're not considered securities. So, like you just said, Jeff, they're not regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. And and and. One thing I want to say about you know, referrals are a very important way for businesses to acquire new customers. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best form of advertising is having someone that's happy with what you're doing refer you to the person they're doing business with. In the financial services industry, you have to be a little more careful, in my opinion, because in this particular situation where this friend was referred to this broker that this friend was do also doing business with, as you as we as we determined later going on with the story, this broker wasn't doing the same kind of business with the friend that referred the new customer than what the, this new customer's investments he was getting. They were getting he was getting a totally different types of investments, and so you got to be careful. All right, so I get a referral. The guy says he's great, but. All right. I, am I getting the, am I in the same types of investments that this other person is in, or is it something totally different? So what I'm saying is you got it just because you got a referral and a positive refer, and a, a positive story from that referral source doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you shouldn't dig deeper. You shouldn't check the credentials out. You shouldn't understand the fee structure. You shouldn't understand how they do business. You should, you should, you should understand, is this person making the investment decisions? Is this person not making the investment decisions? Uh, do I want someone uh, that's making the investment decisions to be the person I'm working with? And when we come back from break, because I know we're coming up here at the end of this segment, we'll go a little bit deeper into digging deeper uh, when it comes to picking an investment advisor for your portfolio. So we're going to go deeper into digging deeper. That's we right. Better get the, we better like get that. the backhoes Where's out. The back <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going deep. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. 
or if you'd like to give us a call in our office to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So you're just tuning into this weekend's MoneyWise program. We're going into some more investor education on how to select an investment advisor. And just, you know, I, I want to be the first to say that we're not always the right firm for everybody. We have a very stringent investment management philosophy that we've been following for the last 32 years. We're a balanced manager. We have goals, performance goals that we set for our allocation models and we work our dead level best to achieve them. But we know that we're not always the right firm. You know, when we, when we meet with prospective clients, it's really a dual interview process because we're not in the business of, of bringing in a client for, for a year or two. We want a client for life. We have extremely low turnover in our client base, and it's because I feel that we do our dead level best of setting the right expectations at the beginning of the relationship, but also making sure that we're a good fit for the person looking for investment management services. Because I can tell you, I've had meetings with clients that are prospective clients that have expectations saying, I want 12, 15% return with very low risk. Okay, well, unfortunately, good luck at finding that. But that's not what our goal is. Because within our investment philosophy, we know what it can and can't do. Because the one thing we have that I don't know of another radio show on in this country has is more than a 30-year track record under the same investment management philosophy that can prove what they're actually saying. Now, granted, past performance isn't a guarantee of future results, but when you've got three-plus decades of experience of showing what your philosophy can do, in my opinion, that's worth its weight in gold. And when you go to meet with a potential investment advisor that you could be working with, and Jeff, to your point, understanding how they work with their clients. Are they asset harvesters? Are they just the mouthpiece for another asset manager that you're not going to know or have a relationship with? What is the fee structure? Yeah, Joe. Well, real quickly, and I don't want to get back to food, but one of the things when you're going through a process, you're looking at a different, you know, for an investment advisor, one of the things that I love about what we do is we get to pick our own ingredients, meaning we you talk about allocation. Are you an asset allocator, asset gatherer? We pick our own stocks. We pick our own exchange-traded funds. We do the research on the mutual funds, and we create our own portfolios. We don't farm it out. If you're going to go right. hire a gourmet chef to make you a meal, are you going to let him pick the ingredients? Or are you going to let him farm it out to somebody else and, and have somebody else tell him how to make the cake or the steak or the biscuit or whatever you want? <laughs> no, no, no. And that's, and that's, that's a very good. good point. I'm hungry. No, that, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That, that, that's a good point because it's important. It's an important point you're bringing up because we know that there's other, there's, there's other registered investment advisors that are fiduciaries in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, across the state, across this country. But not all of them are created equal. And unfortunately, you typically have to dig deep into their ADV part two to find out if they're physically making the investment decisions within the organization or they're farming it out to somebody else. Or you just straight up ask the question, are you the one that's making the day-to-day investment decisions in my portfolio? But you have to be careful. <laughs> no, 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 no. Question, Jeff, oh, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got more okay. to it. Okay. All right. All right. So the question is – I'll the let question is, 
the question is, all right, do you make, are you going to be making the day-to-day investment decisions in my portfolio? And let's say they say yes. Okay, show me your record. Show me your and, and, and don't And don't show me the performance of the, of the mutual funds that you currently own in your portfolio. I want to see the performance of what you were doing three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20, 25, 30. Show me that. That's what I want to see. That's right. But ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> the folks at the big wirehouses, we don't need to go through all their names. You know who they are. Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, I go on and on and on and on. UBS, Edward Jones. <clears throat> Wells Fargo. Uh, the, guy, the person that you're speaking with is not typically the person that's making the day-to-day investment decisions in your portfolio. It's being farmed out to someone internally or externally. Now, if you like the person you're dealing with, and you understand that this person is not actually making the data investment decisions and they're being farmed out to someone else and you're happy with that, that's totally up to you. <clears throat> but understand that you're going to be paying more in fees because there are more people involved. And the more fees that you pay, the more that's going to reduce your return. And like we would say in the We've been doing this show for 15 plus years. The easiest way to improve your return in your portfolio is lower your expenses. That's the easiest way. You get your expenses down. That's a lot easier to do than trying to make sure you're picking the right stock, right bond, the right ingredients to cook that brisket. But but let me go also a little further, Jeff, because this person could answer, yes, I make the investment decisions. Well, is your investment decision that you're just selecting my money to go into a particular asset allocation model that's then being managed by somebody else? Because they can answer that question, yes, I am making the investment decision. I'm making the decision to put you into this computer algorithmic model that's being run by our internal company. And sh- but show me 30 computer. years of actual performance, not, mo- not model estimates. So, so, so that's really, you have to dig deeper on that question. Right. Are you making the investment decisions? Are you physically doing the trading? That would be another question. Are you physically doing the buying and selling of the securities within my portfolio? Are you doing the trading? Because I can tell you, the three people that are talking on this show, guess what? Right. We all are traders. But here's we another. Do the trading. Here's another important question. How much of your investable net worth is in these same investments? That's right. You know how much ours is? 100%. Because we eat our own cooking at Davidson Capital Management. Everything that our clients own, we personally own. So you can bet your bottom dollar, every single security, whether it's mutual fund, exchange-traded fund, individual stock, they have been vetted to an inch of their life. Now, that doesn't mean that every decision we make is going to be correct. And as we say to any prospective client, we'll make 10 decisions, six to seven of them will work. Three to four of them won't, but the value that we bring to our clients each and every day is they have the opportunity to pick up the phone and call us and say, you made this decision. It didn't work. Why? Because guess what? You're talking to the actual decision makers. They can come into our office, looks in the white of our eyes, and ask these questions. So if you're not getting the answers to your questions and you feel comfortable with it, then you need to pick up the phone and you need to give us a call at Davidson Capital Management, 800 275 
1-800-242-2162. So with that, we're coming up at the top of the hour break. So for listeners in San Antonio on 1200 WAI, we'd like to thank you for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. If you'd like to catch the second hour and continuing with investor education, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com and click on the radio show link. For listeners on 1360 KKTX and Corpus Christi, stay tuned because when we come back from the top of the hour break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906 zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two and if you have an investment related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the money wise program you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com if you missed the first hour of money wise you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past money wise programs You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, it's about time. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your politeness. Well, as we we like to use and utilize uh, the second hour of every weekend's Money Wise program, really going into investor education and just again the continuing education that all investors need to be paying attention to because with the multitude of investment choices the multitude of sales outlets i should say uh to be buying different financial products um we feel it's our duty having a voice and having this radio show to to continue to provide that that education and there is an article that we've had for some time. We've talked about it on past shows, but it's always good to to reiterate. And it's a conversation I know that I have with prospective clients when it comes to investing. Um, and the the title of the article is The Best Investment Advice Ever. <laughs> now, there's so much different advice out there, different guidance, different forms and levels of education out there. Um you know, looking at this article, there's a very old saying that I know we have used from day one. And, of course, with us, uh, you know, being in this, having Davidson Capital Management for more than 25 years. And, and again, this radio show going on now in our 10th year. Um, looking at, at rule number one for the best investment advice ever, and that first rule is never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. And I believe that uh, that was one of Warren Buffett's famous advice. And, of course, Warren Buffett being one of the richest men in the world, um, I think uh, it's, good, it's good words to live by. And, and when I sit down with prospective clients, the one uh, 
the one area, again, of education I like to focus on is teaching a prospective client that it's not as much how well you do on the upside when the market is going up. It's how shallow you keep your hole on the downside. It's it's whoever plays the best defense is what's really going to build long-term wealth and longevity of a portfolio. Rule This rule number one, don't you think it's kind of unrealistic to say never lose money? Well, and, and, and again, investors need to keep in mind there's a difference between realized losses and unrealized losses or paper losses. Uh, maybe rule number one should should read more like never put all your eggs in one basket. Never But put, but define never, that. Okay. Define that a little okay. bit more. Okay, eggs in one basket. Never put one hundred percent of your money in one asset class. How's that? Okay. Never put 100% of your money in stocks. Give us an asset class. Like, are Never. you talking sector specific, like no. all in real estate investment trusts or all in the material sector or all in technology? I think I think really the rule number one to me, and it kind of goes along the same lines as what you're talking about with keeping the hole shallow, is there's no, no such thing as never lose money. I mean, every investment – we have never had an investment decision that we've made – in the 25 years as Davidson Capital Management, every investment decision that we've made has not always made money. Some of those investment decisions have lost money. There isn't a single person on the planet that's made an investment decision that hasn't lost money at one time or the other. The the really successful people in investing never lose a lot of money. Now, keeping a that lot whole of money, shallow. keeping the whole shallow, as you were saying, and 2008 is is a great example of keeping the hole the, the hole as shallow as possible because we were never 100 percent invested in stocks that year, and we were also reducing stocks as that year went on, and so we 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 didn't suffer the 35 our clients' portfolios didn't suffer the 35 40. 50% losses that the investors that we saw come to us in 2009 and 2010, and we asked them, you know, how did you do in 2008? And they said, well, I lost 40% or I lost more than 40%. We knew right then and there that they had way too much money in stocks, if not their entire portfolio in stocks, and it wasn't being managed properly, obviously. That's, that's a key. It wasn't actively managed. It was, and again, that set it and forget it mentality that set and forget it portfolio. So the the rule number one, this never lose money and rule number two, never forget rule number one, is all fine and good, but it's not realistic because if you're going to have a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, cash, and all different types of asset classes, some of those asset classes aren't going to make money in a particular year. Some will uh, some will be more successful than others, but I think it's unrealistic to expect to never to lose money in, in investing. Because if you, if rule number one, never lose money, that means you're never going to take risk. Which means you're, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to own CDs. Uh, sorry to take your your thunder away there. You're going to own government bonds and hold them to maturity, or you're going to own CDs or cash, or you're going to have cash. Well, that I don't know too many investors that can reach their retirement goals uh, just by being in cash or government bonds. Well, and again, when you are invested and you're invested in the stock market, even the bond market, 
when you look at an unrealized gain and loss report, if you're showing some unrealized losses, those are paper losses. Those are losses that you have not taken. It's just on paper. It's just numbers. But that loss can be will become realized if you decide to sell out. And what happened to a lot of investors in 2008 is they watched the ride all the way down. And then they got to their maximum pain threshold, and what did they do? They sold. And for a lot of investors, after they did that sell and the selling they did, they have yet to get back in. That's why we continue to face the very thin market conditions, the whipsawing of the markets because there's fewer and fewer participants because they still have not gotten back in because they're still licking and, and taking care of their wounds from 2008 because they sold out and turned those unrealized losses to realized losses. But if they had a proper allocation and having their assets actively managed, they wouldn't have suffered as much pain and distress in their portfolio as we have seen doing our portfolio reviews and analysis of prospective clients. So well, we're going to pause right there. We're going to take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing our investor education and talking about an article titled The Best Investment Advice Ever. And, you know, again, the old Warren Buffett saying, you know, rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. And us just kind of really discussing how that's kind of unrealistic. Uh, Because like Jeff, like you said in the last segment, you're going to run into some type of losses, be it unrealized or realized losses, at some point in time in your investing career, unless you're invested in cash, which isn't an investment, CDs, or government bonds. You know, you have to take a certain level of risk. You have to assume a certain level of risk to have the potential for capital appreciation and growth of your assets to meet your retirement goals or for whatever goals that you're saving for. And, Dad, I know that you wanted to, the big dog wanted to eat a little bit and had something to add to, to what, we were just talking about. Well, I think I originally said this to you when you guys came into the business. Oh, you've been that, saying this f- that, as long that, as that, I can remember. These were basic rules of investing. I, I honestly think this is a little bit of a Will Rogers comment. I, I'm not so sure that Warren Buffett didn't steal this from from, from Will Rogers. He never met a man he didn't like. And and and, and what th- this means, you know, this is you know this will be my 37th year starting my 38th year of being a portfolio manager, not counting the four years as a broker and one year in graduate school, so you're going to add all that up. But when I see this, what this really means to me is never lose big money, never take big losses because you can't come back from them, whether it's financially or even psychologically. Hold on. Let me stop you right there. You just hit an important point. Psychologically. It's the psychological point of this um a lot of people get in investing they get in the game as jim kramer calls it it's not a game but they get in the game and they have some moderate success and then they start building their bet they start pushing pushing the chips and as they build their bet 
they will get to the point where they lose. Now, to be successful, the one thing that I have learned in my 37-plus years, to be successful in investing, you have to invest on a regular basis. You just can't do it once in a while. And it, and you need to take a number of positions because as you take positions, your batting average gets better. And to be successful, it isn't participating when the markets go up, as you said. It's not losing as much going down. So I believe my personal success as an investor has come with my ability to sell. I think I'm a lot better seller than I am a buyer. And, and and one thing that we say in this office, and this was definitely true in 2008, and of course, you know, this was prior to me joining the family's firm back. Jeff, I know you were here back during the dot com bubble burst, bursting of the of the dot coms. Um, is that when cert, when the markets and times just don't make sense, when what's up is down and what's down is up, when there's times where the market doesn't make sense, it never hurts to get more liquid. And lay in the weeds. I know that's an old saying, Dad, that I've heard come out of your mouth for years, way before I even joined the family business, that it's okay sometimes to raise liquidity and lay in the weeds until things get a little clearer. Now, it's important for all investors to understand you're never going to have 100% clarity. The waters are never going to be 100% clear. There's always going to be some level of cloudiness, but... In situations like the dot coms, like 2008, uh, even like how you know how the markets have have started off in the past couple of years, um, things get a little clouded and get a little bit more whipsawish. And sometimes it's better to just kind of raise some cash and lay back until things start to pan out and make a little bit more sense. Because that's what we've been dealing with is some just counterintuitiveness that we've been experiencing in the market for the past couple of years. You know, and this led me to what we were talking about earlier, rule number one, never lose money, never forget rule number one, this is rule number two. Well, if we were in an environment where government bonds was paying 9%, then a lot of people would be attracted to that. And, and, there, and there's been times in my career when you could do that. And so there's a riskless return that would be, that would be historically a good return. Unfortunately, that was occurring when... Inflation was at 12, 13, 14. So you were losing, <laughs> losing to just inflation. like today. Mm-hmm. Just like today if you put too much in bonds versus what each individual person's inflation rate is. But what this really says is what y'all were talking about is that if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, if you're going to step out there and take that level of risk, then you are potentially putting yourself in a position to lose a substantial amount of your money and not have enough money to get back into the game, whatever game it is you're playing. So, but, but again, but again, we don't look at the market as no, a game. No, it's not a game. It's not a game at all. But if you are, if you're a trader, I would say a trader views the market somewhat as a game. I'd agree. If you're an investor, it's a serious game, and so. Each individual has to decide what type of, is he a trader, am I an investor, or is this trading money, is this investing money? So there's various pools that you could be doing. But one thing that you cannot do is you cannot sustain large losses and be a successful investor or trader. So whatever methods you use to reduce your losses, your risk, your risk, you're going to have to take that. And if you don't, 
determine a system that allows you to do that, you are not going to be successful. In the long term, absolutely. And, and, and see, that's the thing, Dad, is I think for some investors, maybe the traders that view the market as more of a game, more of action, more Vegas style, they have a couple of big wins where they knock it out of the park and that boosts their confidence, that helps them boost their, their maybe their trading and investing ego psychologically. That's when they start pushing over pushing the chips further and further over the line and bigger amounts of chips, then they strike out. Then they take that loss and then their the psychological aspect of it might be a loss so bad that they say to heck with the stock market, I'm never getting involved in it again. And what we've always advocated and always tried to teach is about a proper balance, about diversification. As Jeff said, not putting all your eggs in one basket, spreading out that risk, or to use a technical term, spreading out your beta. But you can't just spread it out and forget it. You have to continue to actively manage it, actively monitor it. And if you don't, then you need to work with a firm that's going to do that. I learned many years ago that I was not a successful trader. Trading was not something that I was good at. I was good at looking at a longer picture. It fit my personality better to be an investor, plus by taking a longer-term view, thinking in terms in the stock market of actually owning the company that I was buying I found that that was more successful, and I learned that as a broker. I, I, I felt comfortable with that. What I didn't feel comfortable with was potential clients or new clients that had to have action because I don't necessarily think Wall Street is the best place to get action. I think you would be better off to go to Vegas because it doesn't require that much thinking if you need action. If you like to bet on football games. with If you need that fix. If you need that. And there are people that need that. But it, Wall Street can be a very dangerous place for people that need that type of fix. I have not run into that many successful people who have traded the market. I've run into many successful investors, very few successful traders. Well, and I think some some other points you made just a few minutes ago when we talk about risk capacity, about taking a big hit to your portfolio, and again, for continuing investor education, the older you get, the closer you get to your retirement, I guess, date and time as far as your age, your risk capacity gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, you know, and I've run into people who have have very large risk, you know, very small risk tolerance, their personal aversion to risk, but they have huge risk capacity. And when you run into that situation, it's really they have their money invested very lazily. It's, it's very lazy money. It's very 4 and 5% returns when they should be taking advantage of their age. So the younger you are, the greater risk capacity you have. And so you have to really marry risk tolerance and risk capacity into one. Um, and that's, again, something else that we that we try to teach. So just understand, as you get older, your risk capacity gets smaller, and you have to have your portfolio managed and allocated in a way that reflects that risk capacity. What you see on CNBC, and we don't spend that much time watching any of the other channels, but what we see on CNBC is a parade of traders, Parade of people looking for action, daily action, weekly action, fast money, fast money. You know, everything is geared towards trading. trading. Mm-hmm. That is 
that segment of the market. That is not a segment that Davidson Capital Management has ever participated in or would feel comfortable being in. And so when we sit here and we talk about what we see, we don't necessarily feel that that type of program serves the public to the extent it could. That's right. Well, with that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. So we'll take the break and when we come back, we'll be continuing our investor education. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to cover here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing talking about the best investment advice ever article that comes from Market Watch and the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, Dad, I, as you were talking in the last segment, you know, you mentioned Jim Cramer's name. And I know there's a segment on his show that he loves to do where people call in and say, am I diversified? And they give him five stock names. And he'll either anoint it as being you're diversified or you're not diversified. And when I watch that, I, to me, it seems like it's a disservice to the investing public because what he is basically um, validating is that it's okay to put 20% of your money in one particular stock position, to hold five individual stocks, and as long as those five individual stocks are in five different industry sectors, then you're okay, you're safe. And I think that is some of the most dangerous advice you could possibly give with with his type of background and acumen as a money manager, or as a hedge fund manager, I should say. Well, I, I, I don't agree with it. Dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous if you don't watch your eggs real close if you only got five. Uh, <laughs> you're making, uh, you're mean, making big bets in, in on the, five in the, companies. In the beginning, in the beginning when I created uh, the philosophy, uh, it became apparent to me that I didn't ever want more than – five percent in anything because i learned very quickly that if i bought five percent of your assets in one individual position yes if i bought 10 positions 3.5 of them were going to be losers but i loved all 10 Mm -hmm. and so when i got it out to 20 then i'm going to have six losers in normal markets Mm -hmm. and the key was having the six losers not be big enough losers to overset the profits that were in the other 14. Well, if I'm Jim Cramer and five is my diversification, I sure hope it's not my six losers because then my every five, those whole five positions would be losers. So to me, that was not enough positions to be diversified. That was very concentrated. And to be that concentrated, I don't want you to think you're diversified. You are not diversified. With five positions, I mean, you might you are, be you might be diversified in the sense that you're in five different industry sectors, but you're making a very large bet on one company in that. And, and I'll tell sector. you something else: if you limit yourself to that few of positions, you're either going to do extremely well versus the market, or you're going to do extremely badly. You're, you're not going to do average. Burn. 
You're either going to do real well or real bad. So it's either a home run or a strikeout. Now, you can't build a business on real bad. Mm-mm. Now, he was successful as a hedge fund manager because he was a trader. He was not an investor. Long term to him could have been one day. So when you hear him discuss that, I mean, he can't do a show and do Am I Diversified and have someone giving 20 positions. So some of his Am I Diversified is for TV. For, well, it's for TV. He did it first on his radio show. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. He did that on the radio show. Now, he used to do radio and TV, and his radio show was really a whole lot better than the TV show. He didn't do all that screaming and jumping around like he does, and he would just talk, which I found better for investors to listen to. He was more investor-oriented as opposed to trading. So us saying that we believe you ought to have 20 positions gets back to this fact that we don't want more than 5% of any person's assets in one position. And we say that even in your company stock. If you're investing in your company stock, the stock where you work. Through your 401k. Yeah, we don't want more than 5% of your retirement money in the company stock. And I don't care how great the stock is. Because I happen to have seen times in my life where I worked for companies where people put a lot much, lot more in that, and then the companies went out of business. They not only lost their job, but they lost their retirement. And I, I can tell you that Jeff and I see this doing portfolio, doing portfolio reviews a lot with the petroleum industry employees, putting a lot of their retirement nest egg through 401ks in their company stock. And it's great to be supportive and it's great to love where you work and love who your employer is but you also have to kind of be a little selfish and think about your own retirement needs and your own retirement nesting and not take too big of a bet because again harkens back to Enron it harkens back to WorldCom I mean it harkens back to those employees years ago who lost their nest egg because there was a lot of cheerleading from upper level management to buy keep keep funneling as much money in it as possible not saying that any companies in existence today are you know doing some of the fraudulent things that that these companies were doing but you always have to look out for kind of number one i mean you have to look out for number one when you're saving for retirement and you know another thing that i like to teach particularly when it comes to long-term investing and when it comes to performance I always like to use the analogy is you have to look at your investment returns like a batting average, like a batting average for a baseball player. You know, let's use Ted Williams or let's use Tony Gwynn. Uh, you know, rest, may he rest in peace. Let's use him as an example. You know, baseball players can get into the Hall of Fame with having a great lifetime batting average, but throughout their career, throughout the lifetime of them stepping up to the plate, they're going to have years where they underperform where they don't have a good year at the uh, up at the plate and they don't bat very well and they have low numbers. And then they're going to have other years where they have some average years. And then they're going to have some great years where they're knocking the cover off the ball. But what determines whether or not a baseball player gets into the Hall of Fame is their lifetime batting average, and it's the combination of all of those years and how they've performed. It's the same thought process and the same thought pattern you need to have when it comes to investing. You're going to have some below average years. You're going to have some just average years, and you're going to have some great years, but the key is is to have more great years than bad and average years to get your portfolio to the Hall of Fame. Well, 
here's a little commercial coming in here. 25, this is our 26th year, and I was talking about I'm starting my 38th year as a manager. There was 12 years in there before Davidson Capital Management was formed in which I developed our philosophy. And I developed it managing money under three or four different corporate situations where I learned what was working and what wasn't working. And, you know, I learned on other people's money, so to speak. But I learned through those years that 100% equity made no sense. 100% bond made no sense. But the two could work together in combination. But what I found was there wasn't, there were fixed income people and there were stock people. There wasn't both. You didn't see the hybrid. You didn't see the manager that could do both sides. And so as I, as I developed our philosophy, I learned that it made more sense to be 10 years and under. It made more sense to stick with quality because by sticking with quality, you took risk out. By having stocks and bonds, you took risk out. And by doing that, you raised your batting average. You made the hole shallower when you were losing in stocks you were making in bonds. And so in the beginning, oh, yeah, everyone knows the most money you can make is to be 100% in the stock market. And it works really good until 1987 rolls around and it goes down 25% in one day. That doesn't work very well. That wipes out a number of years in about four hours. And you learn, hey, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And same thing in the late 90s. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful when the dot-coms were going crazy, but it didn't look real good late in 2000, 2001, and two. And, you know, staying the course was really great in January, February, March of 2008. It wasn't very great in November, December 2008. Or, or because January, February. there might not be a course to <laughs> stay. Nine. You might not have had enough course to, to, to have a meal. Well, and, and again, that goes back to what we talked about a few segments ago about the psychological damage. And I know that we've talked on past shows here on Money Wise where we've talked about the psychological effects when you take these kind of losses and how, again, it, it creates that emotion and that fear. And when fear and emotion start combining into your portfolio, it keeps you sitting on the sidelines or it keeps you less invested in stocks to to really try to achieve and reach your goal for whatever you're saving for, and we're still seeing that today. I mean, again, we're seeing it today because we see the volatility. If there's more participants, more investors in this market, more mom-and-pop investors, we wouldn't see this extreme levels of volatility that we've been seeing. If we taxed day trading, we wouldn't have this extreme volatility. Or if we taxed high-frequency trading or got high-frequency well, trading under control. That's, that's what I'm saying. That would take care of that problem. The problem is, is that high-frequency trading is paying the note for the New York Stock Exchange. That's how they're making their money. They are never going to go against that. For something to change in that market, it's going to have to come from outside. It's not going to come from within Wall Street. Well, really, what we have to have, Dad, is we have to have a nonprofit exchange. We have to well, have yeah. a nonprofit you exchange. You guys will see that. I'm, I'm convinced. You think Jeff and I will see a nonprofit I really think exchange you, I really think you in our career? That in your lifetime, you will see a national market. I mean, because that will take away the incentive for the high frequency yes. trading. I, I, and I, it'll be I welcome 
It'll be somewhere in the central part of the country, away from Wall Street. I, I welcome that day. I welcome the day to where we see a nonprofit exchange and maybe just a one central exchange. Let me correct him. Jeff may not see it. I think you will see it, Kyle. <laughs> well, we're not that far away in age, so it's only about ten, less than 10, 10 years. years in there. All right, well, let's take our last commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So going back to this article, there was a couple of other statements, and these actually come from Ben Franklin, and and one of them is, an investment in knowledge pays the most interest. And again, one of the reasons why we started this radio show back in late 2005 was because it gave us a podium, it gave us a platform to provide education because there's just uh, there's such a lack of education out there and it seems like a lot of the education that is available has a particular bent you know it's trying to push you in a certain direction as an investor to buy an investment product that's being sold by the uh, financial legacy distribution system you know as we like to call it it always seems that education is kind of pushing you one direction or another and we're trying to provide unbiased education and as we always say to all investors is that, you know, there are so many tools available online for you to educate yourself. You know, when a, a pitch sounds too good to be true, it, it most likely is. And there's a lot of vehicles out there to help you to educate yourself. And so as Benjamin Franklin says, an investment in knowledge pays the most interest. You really have to you have to really let that kind of soak into you. And utilize the tools available. You know, if you want to look up the broker that you're working with, go to brokercheck.com. You know, someone's pitching you an investment product. Before you sign on the line and which is dotted, look it up. Do some research. Educate yourself. You know, as we say, if you can't explain it to a 5-year-old or a 10-year-old in two or three minutes and get them to understand it, then you're probably it's not a good idea to buy. Um Another statement is beware of expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. And, boy, how many times have we seen that, Jeff? You know, expenses is one thing that is easiest to control if you understand that you're getting charged more more fees than than you think you are to begin with. And I see this a lot with – we see this a lot with annuities – um, annuities, I think, are probably one of the biggest drains. challenges. I would say drains on, know, on assets. The biggest challenges to a portfolio being successful is is owning an annuity inside that portfolio, because you're you're basically guaranteeing that you will never even equal a market average performance, because the fees and expenses built into the 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 annuity itself even if it has the 
best possible investment options. And trust me, the average annuity does not have the best the best uh, investment choices possible. When you add up average investment choices with high expenses, you're guaranteed to be below average consistently year after year after year after year. And they're still sold. They're, they're still successfully selling them to investors every single day. And we've in the 10 years that we've done this show, we've almost made this our personal uh, mission. Mission. There you go. <laughs> it's a personal mission to steer people away from these types of investments. Now, there's also many other violators. You know, aver- uh, uh, the, the average loaded mutual fund carries uh, – an initial sales charge that's equal to multiple years of professional full-time investment management just to buy into the mutual fund itself. They, you know, a minimum, you know, anywhere from two to three percent to as almost as much as six percent uh, is very common in an upfront sales charge. Another thing is buying stocks. You know, just buying stocks through a full-service broker. And you're you're the average ticket price that I see from an from a full service broker is about two percent of the gross purchase, and that is outrageous. So you know for five thousand dollar purchase, you're paying two hundred and fifty dollars in transaction costs. I mean that's 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 a that's twenty times more. That's twenty times more you'd pay at a at a, at a discount brokerage firm. Yes, well, you better well, be getting good advice if well, you're paying that kind of fee. Well, well, now, if that broker is giving you good advice and covers the two percent, that's one thing. But you and I both know, unfortunately, the vast majority of them do not. Well, the one thing again, talking about fees and and what I I like to to do for any individual investor out there is to understand the two big types of fees. You have your hard dollar fees. And your soft dollar fees. Your hard dollar fees are your upfront commissions. You know, those are the commissions that you see when you buy that mutual fund or you buy that stock and you pay that commission and you see it come right off the right off the top. You see that difference in what you're investing and what you actually paid and what was actually invested. That's a hard dollar cost. But where annuities, where non traded real estate investment trusts, uh, where even mutual funds once you get past that initial sales fee, really get their investors or get their clients is on the soft dollar side. Those are the fees that are accrued daily and taken out daily that you never see. When you get your statement from your annu- from your annuity, that's net of those soft dollar fees. When you get a statement about your stocks or your individual mutual funds, it's net of those soft dollar fees. Those are the fees that you don't see. Those are the fees that you also need to be asking about. And if you're sitting down and someone's pitching you an annuity and you ask them, well, what are the soft dollar charges? They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to know what to do. And they're going to start trying to provide you with the half truths of what you're actually well, they're, they're going to focus on these guaranteed returns. The G word. Yeah. The, yeah they're going to focus on the G word. Which, again, is not a guarantee. It's just a promise, and it's only as good as the company providing the promise. They're going to say, don't you want 5% a year guaranteed income for the rest of your life? Don't you want that, Mr. or Mrs. Customer? 
And it's not quite that simple. Nope. And what they're talking about is the published interest rate, which changes monthly. It's just that hook to get you to sign on that line, and which is dotted to get you into that long surrender charge penalty period so they can lock your assets up. So you have to understand the difference between hard dollar costs and soft dollar costs. And soft dollar costs are in the prospectus. Soft dollar costs are in the information, but you have to know what you're looking for and you have to dig deeper, as we've always said from day one on this program. And to really summarize this hour is you have to dig deeper well, and use the tools available to educate yourself before yeah, number, you make that investment Number one, decision. be diversified. Number two, know what you own. Do the research. Dig deeper, as you say. And number three, have a, always have a mind on what it's costing. That's right. Okay, and with that, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you could reach us at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.